I, I feel like for me, accepting my mental health experiences and being open about that has been probably the most challenging part about accepting myself, um, which I think some people are surprised to hear sometimes that I've actually found it much easier to be um, a member of the LGBTQ community and out at work. I found that much easier than I have to be open about mental health at work. Um, so I, I found it to be more stigma when it comes to mental health. Hello and welcome to another episode of Career Insights. This is Mo, your host, and on today's episode we have with us Jack Dodd. Jack describes himself as a human who talks about mental health and inclusion, and that is exactly what we speak about today. Um, Jack shares some really interesting insights with us of um, helping people uh, be more themselves at work. Talks a bit about his, his experience uh, as being part of the LGBTQ plus community. We get quite deep in some parts, which has been just really interesting, very insightful conversation. I personally learned loads through this chat with Jack, and I really, really appreciate him being here with us on the podcast and doing this episode with us. So I hope you also enjoy it. And without further ado, here is our conversation with Jack. Hi, welcome to the podcast, Jack. Pleasure to have you with us today. Thanks for having me. Hello. Um, so can you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself, a little bit about your story, and I uh, understand you've just joined a new company recently. Maybe you can tell us a bit about that as well. Yeah, sure. So um, I work um, in the media sector now. So I work for Pink News, uh, who are an organization uh, that produce LGBTQ plus um, media um, articles, uh, videos, etc. Um, so yeah, I just started. Uh, prior to that, I worked in the charity sector. Um, so I work in corporate partnerships. So I did corporate partnerships in the charity sector for a while. Um, before that, I worked in HR and recruitment. Uh, so I've had a few careers already in my time, which I actually think is super important. Mm, um, interesting point. Yeah, I uh, I used to actually beat myself up quite a lot for changing careers and. Uh, I changed university courses when I was younger. I didn't know what I wanted to do. And uh, yeah, I, I really thought it was a negative thing on me for, mm. for changing and for not knowing exactly what I wanted to do and that I should know. Uh, and I now got to the point where I'm like, I've actually learned so much from different career paths that I think it's a great thing. <laughs> yeah, that, that's that. Yeah, absolutely. It's, um, I think we're in the same boat. Um, I think I also beat myself up quite a bit about it growing up, kind of thinking, you know, where where do I want to go? What do I want to do? And trying to set up different things for myself to do to try and figure that out. Um, and yeah, it, it can be quite tough. I, I take it you're quite ambitious as a person and kind of want to make some sort of impact. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I think, yeah, from a young age, but purpose has been very important to me. I was very driven at school. Um and then having been through things regarding like mental health and bereavement, um, I think for me it really made me focus on like what's important for me in life, like what do I want to focus on. Uh, and yeah, through career I get a lot of purpose and want to achieve things. So yeah, for me it was important to get it right in inverted commas uh, and find something that I really wanted to get out of bed in the morning for. And um, I think I found that now. That's incredible. I mean, it's, it sounds like at the time you didn't feel like you were getting there. You, when you say kind of you, you're beating yourself up about it a little bit, it sounds like you sort of, you didn't feel like you're going in the right direction. Um, you didn't kind of know exactly what you want to do or where you want to go. Is it something that you kind of just stumbled upon then? Or how, how did that happen for you, that magic? Um, I think having, I think probably having belief in myself that I, I wasn't just going to settle for a job that's just going to pay the bills. Um, I definitely had voices around me growing up around career stability mm. and, and, and in, I internalized quite a lot around trying to find a career that, uh, I don't know, actually. So, so the, the truth is, um, as a gay man, I, I kind of, when I was younger, I wanted to have children and, um, I thought that like I would go down the IVF, uh, route and like okay. surrogacy and that kind of, um, so I was like I need to earn a lot of money I need to be able to do these things I wanted to do um and yeah so I, I thought that I could do like any career just as long as I could earn money um and that, that must have been quite tough for you to, to kind of go through that and think that it would cost so much money to uh to do something like just so basic yeah yeah I guess so yeah I mean to be honest I haven't really thought about it that much since 
Um, but it was just one of those things again, like I felt when I was younger, like purpose for me would be having a family and like that felt really important. So yeah, I, w- I was driven by trying to make more money when I was younger. Sure. Um, so anyway, yeah, going back to your initial question about kind of how did I find it? I think just kind of, um, keeping in touch with who I am as a person, um, being reflective, um, therapy also helps, uh, and just re- really trying to hone in on like who I am as a person and not just getting swept up in, in this world, which is really easy to do, mm. I'd say. Yeah, yeah, um, absolutely. I mean, when you're in a career as well, and, and if, if, especially if it's going quite fast or if you go, if you have a lot on, not much time to think about things outside of work, it can be quite tough to kind of have those moments for yourself where you just sit down and reflect. It does take quite a deliberate effort yeah to, be able to do that yeah definitely I think especially when you get into the workplace and if you've got quite a social side as well I think yeah. it's very easy that you're so busy in the week just working existing socializing the weekend you crash you recover you catch up with your other friends it just goes like a relentless cycle and I think before you realize that years have gone by and then until maybe you have a moment where you reflect or you have a moment like the pandemic, which really shakes up your world, you don't get a chance to then sit and think and be like, what do I actually want from this, from this life? So, so <laughs> I'm doing what I want to do. Some positive things came out of the pandemic then, huh? <laughs> uh, yeah, I think for some people, yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, but yeah, in terms of like career and how I managed to find what, what gave me purpose, I think just every time that I was in a new job, just trying to reflect on what I actually enjoyed and what I didn't enjoy um and just yeah like I said to you earlier like what motivated me like what gave me purpose what what gave me the the motivation to actually turn up and want to work hard and want to go above and beyond and those things where I just felt like I was doing it for the sake of it how could I minimize those yeah Um, absolutely so yeah and in terms of the things that that gave you purpose while you were in those jobs what Mm. what were some of those things that made you feel motivated to go to work every day um so I, when I was at uni, eventually, my second course was studying psychology, and I realized I was really interested in people. Um, so yeah, anything that I guess involved like human behavior, like understanding how people tick was always something that, that intrigued me and kind of my mind finds really interesting. Um, so that's why I kind of went into HR and recruitment. And I think any time where I got to it sounds like study people or like so doing like assessment centers and interviews like do and experiments with on people at work <laughs> not in the, not in the workplace not in the workplace <laughs> but I think just like using like it's it's quite natural for me to be perceptive and to like uh work out what's going on in a situation so so that kind of took me initially into like the HR recruitment space um and then uh, I'm really passionate about mental health. And when I was at um, a previous company, they had a lot of focus on men's um, health because a lot of the workforce were were kind of middle-aged men and they recognized that a lot of them worked in isolation and there was a lot more that they could do to provide that support. Uh, and I just, yeah, I, when I was just sat in the meetings talking about it, I know I had a lot to say and there was a lot that I, was, I really wanted to do. So I just took on more and more responsibility and then just luckily had freedom to run with it so I ended up doing some men's health campaigns internally at an organization and uh yeah I was like hang on a minute I I want to do more of this I want to do more in this space than uh, than my my really what my day job was so something clicked in your brain at the time and you realized that actually this this kind of work to make people happier and, and feel better at work is something that's that's really ticks with you was there any element of inclusivity there as well in that in that piece that you did there was it mainly around kind of mental health? Um, it was mainly around mental health at the time. Yeah, and physical health, actually. Um, oh, cool. So, yeah, I guess just like recognising, uh, I worked with the the charity Movember at the time. Uh, we partnered with them to be able to develop the work that we were doing in the, the company I was at. And uh, Yeah, I've had a couple of attempts at those. <laughs> <laughs> um, have, you do- have you done it before? Have you uh, gone full Movember before? Uh, while I was at the company, yeah, I did it. You kind of had to, right? You had no choice, I'd imagine. Exactly. <laughs> if I was going to be the face of it, I needed to lead by example, and yeah. Um. When I uh, when I did mine, the uh, the comments I got most from people was that I looked like uh, Rami Malek in Bohemian Rhapsody. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I, I didn't complain. I, yeah. I, I didn't complain to be fair. I was like, yeah, sure, yeah, I'll take that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, definitely, it's uh, it's it's incredible, actually. So, 
the work that you were doing there, I mean, because I understand you do work around inclusivity too, so it's not just around mental health. You do both, is that right? Yeah, so I... Um, so from that, I then wanted to work in the charity sector. Um, uh, I... Yeah, I, th- I think from from doing that work and where being in HR as well, there were always conversations about diversity and inclusion. Um, yeah, I, like I said, I'm passionate about mental health, being a gay man as well. Like I kind of naturally uh, was interested in it. Um, and then I moved from there to work for the charity Stonewall. Um, and yeah, worked, started to work with diversity and inclusion there. Um, so yeah, I was able cool. to pick up another element of my interests through work. Yeah. And do you find that you you do you have a preference over whether you like the inclusivity side more than the mental health side, or do you think that they both kind of go hand in hand as well sometimes? Yeah, they're all to me. They're all they're all linked. I think for me, the most important thing is to know who you are as a person and mm. um, own that. Be proud of that in all of that all of all facets. Um, whether that's yeah your sexual orientation, your gender identity, um, neurodiversity uh your work preferences extroversion introversion like for me it's all linked it's all part of who you are and I think as much as you can show up as who you are at work like I just think you're going to be so much happier and such a better employee a more productive efficient employee have you noticed any trends in that over time like do you feel like maybe we're moving in the right direction or do you think we're going backward in that sense are people able to feel I mean, just kind of from day to day, what you've noticed in the workplace, do you see that people are able to be more themselves at work nowadays compared to maybe like three, four years ago, or is it somewhat the same still? Um, I I think it's getting better, uh, I would say. Certainly, it's. I think the rate of change in a positive direction is much, um, much greater in the workplace than it is maybe in wider society. Mm. Um, I feel like businesses get it more than... Uh, some other people in society shall we say that's interesting why do you think that is i think because there's i mean ultimately you know businesses need um employees to be themselves to i think feel happier and i think oh i i mean ultimately they're businesses so you know they need to make money and i think you know employees i think the penny has really dropped the employees that can be themselves um show up as they are are going to be more motivated to work which sure. contributes to the bottom line i think the pandemic had a massive impact uh and really broke down some of the formalities around work and um yeah i i, I think i think starting to see people in their in their living rooms and <laughs> seeing their kids or their pets i think it was a real it was a real like visual in your face like oh yeah this person is a human being with a life and not just my colleague and employee and absolutely I, th- I think that has changed a lot yeah no I, I really agree with that actually it's it's the same I mean because I've noticed it with myself with how I behave at work um you know over time and uh, to be honest I've mostly worked in startups and things tend to be a little bit more chilled out in startups mm. compared with corporates um but 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 there's still definitely has been a shift in terms of just how more relaxed people have gotten generally now that we've seen everybody's home and we've seen everybody's towel hanging on the on the chair behind <laughs> them in, in a meeting at some point, you know, yeah. and, and it does really make a difference that that connection, that like real human interaction is then there. I guess the the question I was asking about why do you think that is is a bit of a cheeky one because um and and you touched on you know the fact that ultimately companies are driven by the bottom line, right? So. There is real incentive there for corporations. Obviously, people do it out of empathy. People do it out of their good heart, too. It's not, it's not just a numbers game. But there is also a kind of something you can hold in your hand that's an incentive um, for companies to do better and to increase newer diversity and so on. And so I guess when I asked why do you think that is, is what I was trying to get to is that, you know, do you think there are the right incentives in wider society to be more inclusive and, and to to just be more empathetic and so on? Or do you think there's something there that could be done to improve that? Uh, what do you mean in wider society as opposed to just in work? Or Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah I think we've got so much more that we need to do. And I think one of the really unfortunate trends is just 
um, how conversation is so polarized. Uh, I think that's a really sad yeah. thing to see that I think ultimately, like in all situations, we have to work together and try and understand each other's points of view and not just take really um, hard lines and seeing people come out with really extreme views and not being prepared to listen to one another is really sad because uh, I try and I think through my experiences of mental health and having therapy and stuff, I think I just empathy and understanding to one another to me is the most important part. So when I when I don't see that demonstrated, um, particularly when it comes to human rights and just understanding, like trying to really understand what life is like for another person, it, it baffles me how people take such strong stances that ultimately are to do with people's lives and their happiness and their well-being. Um, so, yeah, I think... I think in wider society, there's so much more that we can do to understand one another and remove ourselves from our own uh, perceptions of the world for a moment mm. and just kind of take a step back and try and think about what it's like for another human being out there. Yeah. And it is much tougher to incentivize a whole population than it is to incentivize a company to do something, <laughs> right? That's, that's, the, that's the thing yeah. as well. And, and I mean, it, it, even if, because the incentive, of course, doesn't have to be like, you know, monetary or something like that, but it's just the the whole bring in the understanding of, of having empathy or, or just, you know, understanding other people. That's, that, that's an incentive, but yeah. that's something that people kind of, we, we need to be taught more about or learn more about in schools perhaps. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think education is key and yeah, it starts at school, right. And at home and yeah, it's so important. Um, I think also with wider society as well, the contribution of news is, is such a big a big part and you know that's why I'm so passionate and proud to work for a news organization that shines a spotlight on the LGBTQ plus community because yeah. often in mainstream um, uh, news publishers you know the coverage uh, particularly at the moment is really really tough um, and not particularly favorable to the community mm. uh, and you know, media and news influences people's perceptions and their behavior. Oh, 100%, of course. So, um, and also when, you know, like fear sells stories and, you know, as humans, we're driven so heavily by fear as well that when fear is kind of put into people's minds and yeah, it drives behavior. So I think perhaps, you know, within workplaces, we can have more discussions and, you know, when, when particularly um, organizations put on, I don't know, uh, panels or talks and uh, training and promote conversations. I think people can then genuinely understand things rather than just being led by headlines that you know don't provide nuance. And, uh, you know, and I, I, mean, I don't blame people. You know, we live in a very fast-paced society. People have got so many things on their mind. There's a cost of living crisis. There's so much yeah. going on that, you know, I understand why people just see a headline and then just take that as their own opinion and, um, you know, don't, you know, perhaps look for the nuance or try and critically evaluate the news. So yeah, there's, so, there's, <laughs> there's a lot it, to unpack It there. is definitely a nuance. Yeah. It's definitely a very nuanced conversation. And, and absolutely. I, I think, um, I mean, it's something that I would probably happily spend a few hours trying to unpack and understand, understand <laughs> more around. Um, it, but yeah, it's, um, I guess, I guess you're definitely right in, in that the whole, the, the speed thing is, is another factor here. I mean, I personally, I don't think I really watch that much news or read that much news, to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, it's, it's just a personal choice, really. It's not because I want to be disconnected from the world. I very much want to be connected and understand what's going on. Mm. Um, but I also, there's so much negativity in, in news that it's just, you know, are you telling me what's actually happening or are you just trying to keep me engaged and reading your thing right now? Like, it, it's, mm. you know, I'm, I'm always asking myself that question. And sometimes I look at things and I think, is that news or is that just filler that you need to have there, you know? Mm. Um, and then add on to that the fact that time is limited and everybody's trying to do things, but also everybody wants to enjoy their life and have a good social life and go out and so on. And so it, it just becomes much harder to then, to then, you know, pick out the right pieces of information. Um, since we're on the topic, tell us more about Pink News. Tell us what, what, if our listeners have never heard of them, you know, what the Pink News do and what makes them stand out. Yeah, so um, we're the world's largest um, LGBTQ plus media organization. Um, so we have uh, an audience of about 100 million people. Um, 
So, yeah. Um, o- only a hundred million. I mean, uh, just. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, we have a website where we publish our uh, articles and our content. We're available on all kind of social platforms. Um, uh, um, one one of the social media platforms where we're particularly uh, big is Snapchat. So uh, we have around kind of 20 shows on there uh, wow. that are consumed uh, around I'm, the world. I'm so behind on this stuff. So you have Snapchat shows now. Is this that kind of like YouTube shows? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Got it. All right. I'm, I'm uh, so behind. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we do like a variety of things as well. So like I mentioned um, to you uh, offer that we were, um, uh, we run kind of uh, receptions around pride season that bring together politicians um, and kind of key people in the room to have conversation um, around LGBTQ plus issues um, and try and move the dial in that respect. Um, we've put on careers events. Uh, we've got our awards as well. We have um, our Pink News Awards that celebrate uh, work from across the community, whether that's businesses, influencers, campaigners, um, charities, um, yeah. But, I mean, I am also I am also in the second week of my job. Yeah, so just, this is just really that, yeah. putting me on the spot to try and like remember no, no, everything course. that we do as an organisation. I, I mean, yeah, but. it's just in case you know any of your if if your line manager is listening, then they can see that you've uh, you've done your homework. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. No, I, no, not not at all. Not at all. Honestly, I mean, you do a lot of stuff. At the end of the day, it is a news outlet, right? So there'll be a lot yeah. of things there. But in terms, I mean, I suppose because this podcast does focus on career career insights and and helping candidates, you know, navigate some things in the career and in the workplace yeah. and their career. So it's really cool to know that you guys do quite a bit of, around careers as well. So I suppose it'd be something useful for people to check out if, if they're interested. To, to yeah, them, you know. Yeah, yeah. We we run something called Pink News Futures, and uh, that's very much around uh, connecting kind of LGBTQ plus young people with inclusive employers. Amazing. Um, yeah, which you know, having mentioned the things that I have around finding a career that works for you, feeling like you can be yourself in the workplace, is something that I'm so passionate about. Um, and yeah, you know, obviously from a, I think you might have heard of me more from like a mental health angle. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, it's so important to do this work. Absolutely. Do you, um, are, are you involved at all with curating some of those things? Because obviously given your um, your past experience within hiring, within recruitment, are you involved in curating some of those workplaces and kind of looking at who really is inclusive and who isn't in a way? Um, so I'm, I'm not personally, so I actually okay. work in corporate partnerships. So my, my day job is more to do with, um, uh, under, now understanding what businesses want from an LGBTQ plus media organization. How uh-huh. do we partner with organizations seeking sponsors for these events, that kind of thing. Um, so no, I'm not, I'm not involved as far as I'm aware, but I'm weak too, like I said, so who yeah, knows? <laughs> early on, very early on, of course. Um, of yeah. In, in terms of inclusivity in, in the workplace, um, kind of touching back on that again um when you were working in previous companies with with the previous stuff the previous work that you were doing how i mean obviously you said things are improving and getting better over time but thinking about it from the candidate's perspective now how can a candidate before joining a company see whether a company is genuinely inclusive and it's going to be a place where they feel like they they belong there Mm. Uh, and and kind of well, like what are some of the telltale signs? Because obviously everyone claims to be oh we're inclusive we're great, but then when you join it might be a different story, right? Yeah, yeah. I think doing the re- as much research as you can, um, you know, to look at like I mentioned whether they are getting involved with specific events that look to attract talent from um, marginalized communities, or you know, obviously if it's um, if you're particularly passionate or it's particularly important to you that an organization does work on a certain aspect of inclusivity um, to, to, yeah, to see what, what they're genuinely doing and what action is behind, you know, every organization can say that they're inclusive, but really trying to find out what um, a company's doing and what steps that they've taken to, to practice what they preach really. Mm. Um, I'm a big advocate of LinkedIn as well. I think there's a lot of good content on there. There's a lot of good way to understand, you know, employees' posts about what's going on at, at work. Um, some posts might be a bit more just about like what's going on, but if you can get any kind of like maybe honest accounts from friends or uh, building a network to have conversations with people. Um, but admittedly, yeah, it is it is tricky, and I can't sit here and say yeah, you can know everything about a company's culture before you join. I, I don't think you can. And I think there is an element of, 
um being i think confident in yourself as well to like i said before you know knowing who you are and i've always tried to be who i am in an interview process um and ask the questions that are important to me around a company culture which i appreciate that not everyone is comfortable doing um but i've always tried to be confident in myself and have the attitude of you know i need to work somewhere where i can be comfortable and be happy and be myself and if i ask a question at interview and you know i don't get a satisfactory response then maybe it is a sign that it's not the right company for me um and i think particularly as you first start to go into the workplace i i definitely had worries around i don't know if i ask this question mm. am i going to look bad or you know i think <laughs> and i think it's starting to recognize that the power isn't completely in the employer's hands like obviously you're looking for a job you're looking to start your career but you know you are a human being at the end of the day and you need to value yourself and having the confidence to be like no this is this is really important to me and i need to ask this question i need to understand as part of my interview process admittedly like i said that does take confidence and and um having your own back but i think it's really important yeah i think you touched on a really important point here which is valuing yourself and and it's the you know the the relationship maybe you could argue that historically speaking the relationship has been a bit more like oh the employer is the employer that's going to pay me and you yeah. know sustain my life or whatever and I'm just an employee. I'm another cog in the machine. But it's it's about changing that mentality, right? Mm, yeah, totally. And I think, like I said, I think the pandemic has helped that in a way. And I think the great resignation that's been going on, I think um, there's probably more power in employees' hands than there has been before, mm. um, especially how competitive it is out there to uh, to get kind of top talent within your organisation. Um, but yeah, I mean, for me, that's why I started talking about mental health on on LinkedIn and started opening up, which for me was really part of my move from feeling powerless as an employee. And like, I kind of just had to adapt myself and just be a certain person to survive in the workplace to actually know I'm going to be open about who I am and take back some of that power that I've kind of given away quite freely earlier in my career. It's really empowering. It takes a lot of courage. It's really, really empowering. Do you, yeah. uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, what are some of the questions that you, if, if obviously if you're happy to share, um, mm. what, what were some of the questions that you would ask in an interview to try and gauge whether you'd, you know, the, I mean, obviously some of those things might be quite personal to you, mm. but perhaps are, are there any generic ones that people can kind of ask? Um, I think, yeah, I mean, generic, it's, you, you can ask about what an, an organization is doing for their diversity and inclusion work, if it's mm. important to you, which I feel like it is for, for most people these days. Um, but uh, I think, I, yeah, I wouldn't be able to say on, on more generic stuff, maybe. Sure. I'm happy to share, you know, I, I would I would say. If, if you, you are, that, that'll be amazing. Yeah, no, I, I, would, I, I would literally sure. say, like, I am a gay man. And sure. uh, it's important to me feel accepted in the workplace, so what are you doing to to support your LGBTQ plus colleagues? Uh, I would be that direct. That's less really straightforward. <laughs> yeah, because it, it was important to me. Of course. Uh, and I think now with where I've got to with confidence, um, I would also ask about mental health as well. And I think because also it's about, I think that asking that question is twofold as well. It kind of would take me to come out kind of early doors and kind of test to see what, the vibe was like in that room to understand kind of what culture was like so that would help me um but yeah I think now I would also kind of say that mental health is also something that's part of my experience and it's important for me as well so what is the organization doing to include that and but like that's only I would only I've only had the confidence I'd say to do that within the last six to eight months um I wouldn't I wouldn't have done that earlier on in my career I, I didn't feel confident enough to do that earlier in my career is that is that a tougher a tougher nut to crack in a way? Yeah, yeah. I I feel like for me, accepting my mental health experiences and being open about that has been probably the most challenging part about accepting myself. Um, which I think some people are surprised to hear sometimes that I've actually found it much easier to be um, a member of the LGBTQ community and out at work. I found that much easier than I have to be open about mental health at work. Um, huh. So I, I found it to be more stigma when it comes to mental health. Do you think that has anything to do with the fact that, um, well, I mean, 
LGBTQ plus been spoken about for many years now. Mm. I mean, more, more definitely more years than mental health. It's just, you know, mental health being outspoken about as a as a topic is is kind of a bit more recent on the scene. Do you yeah. think that has anything to do with that? Or not? Yeah, perhaps, perhaps. Yeah, I think. Um... Again, this is not yeah. me making presumptions. By the way, it's just trying to genuinely understand because you mentioned interestingly that you know people are sometimes surprised that you found it harder to speak about mental health than yeah. being a member of LGBT plus community. Uh, why is is it? Why would that be the case? Because you know, for someone looking at, as an outsider, they may yeah. think, well, actually, it looks like this movement has been you know doing a lot better than mental health, um, mm. especially because it's been there for many more years. Yeah. But yeah. 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 I think, I think there's something about, um, I know that I have it easier being a gay man, um, than my kind of, um, uh, fellow members of the community. And I think it's okay. particularly, you know, it's, it's so hard to be say a trans person for instance yeah, in society and in the workplace. So I think, compared to other people's experience in the community, I've had it kind of easy. And I also worked in kind of HR and recruitment where um, it's generally, I would, from my experience, a more inclusive place. Um, and I think when I started my career, I, the the conversation had started around, or I don't know how long it had been going on for prior to that, but around inclusion in the workplace. So it kind of felt, I kind of felt more confident that this was mm. something that employees were doing more for. And I kind of felt, yeah, I'm more confident with that. I think with mental health, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't remember there being as much of an understanding. Okay. Um, and I think it's also like it's super personal as well. Um, and I, I definitely part of my work has really been trying to undo feeling weak or feeling um, like I'm not going to be valued as an employee because of having. A history of mental health challenges um and yeah it felt it felt really personal and, and and that's also in my own personal life as well I didn't really speak openly about that with my friends mm. um until recent years and it wasn't until actually I started working at Stonewall that I overheard um a colleague say oh I'm going to therapy after um wow. after work and that was the first yeah. time that I was like wow this is a really cool place to yeah. be because people can actually say that and yeah, I'd never really I mean I uh, yeah said that before uh, to anybody openly that I was going to therapy so um yeah, yeah starting I, to be in workplace like that was was really helpful for me I, I can imagine I mean yeah it's it's uh, it always fascinates me when I when I think that there are places where you can't be open about those things um but it always it's just I think yeah I mean it's a pretty great thing to do generally anyway um, and it's just like you know, especially with mental health and and therapy, it's it's one of those things where I don't think there's. I mean, there probably is someone out there who's you know perfect mental health and has zero issues growing up, but I think for the most part we all go through some shit growing up, you know, like <laughs> and 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 working through those things can be very very good for for everyone uh for 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 you people around you not just yourself of course so you know. yeah totally it, yeah. it kind of baffles me that there is this stigma around therapy and I think it's such I'm such an advocate of therapy it's really changed my life and it's you know regardless of your experiences I think everybody can benefit from it so um yeah it baffles me that it's still not talked about widely and um I think more so with the younger generation it is and I think mm. um yeah I think that's probably why I started to encounter more conversations because working with maybe a younger workforce compared to some previous companies where I worked with were maybe kind of the people from an older generation where the, they kind of yeah yeah or maybe perhaps, like gen x or yeah yeah so like you know um I think like my mom's generation, for instance, I know that like, it's just not something that would be spoken about. Um, so yeah, I think starting to be around people that were then open about it. And um, I think for me also, the more open that I've become and the more comfortable I've been with my own vulnerability around this stuff, the more that then people have started to open up to me and share that they have similar experiences. And that's kind of why I continue to post on LinkedIn because then it resonates with people. And I just, I'm continually surprised that when I share something where I think 
oh, I'm not sure if someone's going to be able to relate to this. Like, am I really weird? And then mm. I post and then loads of people can relate to it and I get messages and I'm You're like... surprised. I'm like, oh, I'm not, I'm not really weird. I'm not... <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually quite normal normal in and this happens to a lot of people <laughs> yeah and I, yeah. yeah and but for so many years I kind of like really isolated myself and didn't talk about this stuff and then you really do build up in your mind that there's something wrong with you that you are this you know you call yourself all named under the sun because uh, you feel different and you feel like you're doing well at life and that you're struggling and yeah the more well, this life is the I've thing done. it really goes to show because you know you felt that way um and perhaps you didn't have as many people around you that could be role models in that respect. Yeah. But then when you see people doing that, like for example, you overheard the conversation, you know, about therapy at work and that made you it made something click in your brain, right? Yeah. And it's similar here. So people see you posting the stuff and they think, Oh wow, okay, you know, I'm not this is not just me as experiencing these things. And yeah. so it just goes to show that, you know, sharing sharing those things openly and being open about it is is uh that there are so many benefits to that. And, and yeah. it can really help a lot of people out with that, right? Yeah, it's so powerful, whether that's just in a conversation. Like I try, even with friends or just you know, people that I'm chatting to, to just say like, oh, you know, this if they ask me what I'm doing this evening, I will say oh, I've got therapy tonight. Um, so whether that's just on a conversational level uh, or yeah, whether you're, you're opening sure. up on a, on a wider platform like I do on LinkedIn to... You know, I think whatever you can make it make a change and be part of the change. Yeah, no, absolutely. Wow. Um, do you find? I mean, is, is there something at work that I'm trying to think of? Maybe what companies can do to to sort of open the conversation a bit more around that, uh, around the mental health piece, and um, perhaps giving time, allowing you know letting people sort of do if they need to do that during during the day they can do that during the day during work yeah. hours or but it's, it's one of those things where how do you do it in a way as an employer so that you're not just doing it from like a surface layered kind of approach if it, I, i'm not really articulating it very well but like how do you how do you make sure that people understand that you're genuine about it um but then at the same time as if if you're a smaller company perhaps and you don't have many people in HR, mm. you know, time resources can be limited and so on. So I suppose the question is more around, you know, thinking about smaller companies, what can they do to really try and help and support, uh, but given the limited resources that they might have? Mm. Yeah, and I think I think it's right to admit that it, it can be tricky depending on resource and not every company can provide um, therapy for, for their employees yeah. or um provide lots of resources to help uh depending on their budgets um i think i think whatever they can do whether that is um organizing kind of conversations or using uh key points in the calendar whether that's mental health awareness week to to show their support and to whether that's bringing somebody in to deliver a talk or having a, a panel discussion or you know, just making sure that there are events that kind of start to open up that conversation. Um, I think the element of that work that I'm probably most passionate about is ensuring that line managers are trained and have uh, the confidence to engage in conversations around mental health. I think for me, conversations are so important. Uh, and it's all well and good. An organisation could have talks about mental health they could have posters up um advocating for being open about mental health and the support they're providing but then if an employee says to their line manager i'm struggling and that line manager doesn't know how to have that conversation or says something that actually makes that employee feel worse or feels like they're not supported then i feel like all of that other work is pointless so i think really kind of having an emphasis on culture and really uh, providing support to all employees so that everyone is kind of comfortable talking about mental health uh, okay. Trying to understand one another, like we mentioned earlier, like empathy is really important. Uh, I think for me that that's a really important part. And it doesn't, and it's not necessarily something that would cost a lot or require a lot of resources. It's something that can be quite simple. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Um, Makes a lot of sense. I think ultimately it's about listening. And, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, understanding one another. I think that's what it boils down to. Yeah. Wow. Um, you are a young man. Uh, so <laughs> I have got a, got a, uh, a great long career ahead of you. I'm sure. 
Um, of course, unless you choose to retire at, you know, 35 and then. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you have any thoughts already on where you think you'll take this? On uh, in terms of my career, in, in ter- yeah, sorry, yeah, yeah. In terms of your career, in terms of work that you're doing, do you have any thoughts on you know where you want to go? Have you thought about like is there a specific kind of impact you want to make, or are you kind of just making sure I'm in the right place? I feel like I'm in the right place at the right time, and I'm making a kind of impact I want to be making right now. Yeah, I think that's probably more accurate to where I'm at. Okay. Um, I used to be someone that would very much live in the future. Uh-huh. and be trying to plan and and I would yeah really be focusing on my future um but I think I probably then by doing that I wasn't really paying attention to what was going on in that moment and I think yeah I've I'm probably the happiest and most comfortable in myself that I've ever been and part of that is really focusing on right now and for me yeah, being in the right place right now is the most important thing, making sure that I'm enjoying it, making sure that I'm being myself and working in a way that works for me and uh, being authentic and uh, open in the in the ways that I want to be. Awesome. So, um, so there you have it. So, you know, perhaps it's not always about planning ahead and thinking, where do I want to go in 10 years or where do I want to go in five years or in two years or whatever. Perhaps it's just about making sure that right now, you feel like you're offering your best and you feel like you're being yourself and you feel like you're happy where, where you're working with what you're doing. Yeah, I think I understand there's... Um, some people work like that, you know, where do I want to be yeah, in five yeah. years and ten years? And I think there is, a, there is a place for that. I think for me, it just hasn't really worked that way. Yeah, which is um, and, and, I, and I also think there's something that you can't... Sometimes you can't, you can't predict what's going to happen. And well, I, I mean, think, pandemic, recessions, you know, so... <laughs> Yeah, and I think it's so important to be open to opportunities as they as they come about. And I think it's been a really kind of key development area for me is to start, like, even by starting to be open and talking about mental health. Um, I didn't know where that was going to lead. Um, and I think before I wouldn't have done it because I would have been like, well, where's this going to go? Like, what, mm. How I need to work that out before I even start to open up and start to post and start to speak on things. Whereas now, I'm... Um, more comfortable with just who knows where it's going to go um but yeah I'm I'm really happy um in the company that I'm at and it's kind of given me everything that I want from a personal level and from a from a purpose level and my colleagues are great um and then on a personal level I'm getting to do things like this and be open about mental health which is really important to me as well so I guess in my life in my weekly experience of life I'm getting to do the things that are important to me so at the moment all good who knows where it's going to lead amazing you teach me a lot i think it's um i think i'm I'm the kind of person who tends to plan ahead a bit more excuse me and think about the future a bit more and so on um but it's funny you say this because i think recently more so than 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 any other time really recently i kind of i've been realizing more and more the importance of being present Mm. uh being you know sort of also in a way um appreciating and allowing spontaneity to just kind of sometimes lead the way i think Mm. i think that's also quite important um looking back you know like the times where i'd be stuck just in the future and thinking about the future and the next thing and the next thing and the next thing i think i probably missed out on a few things that were right in front of me just Mm. because i wasn't looking around me enough and then kind of taking it all in um so it, I've, it, it's funny we're talking about this now because it's, it's a, quite a recent thing for me where I've kind of come to understand that, that there, is a, there is perhaps a balance here and also, of course, that different people are different, individuals work in different ways. Uh, but there, in, in what I'm realizing is that I think there are benefits to have in both, but that being present can feel a lot just nicer. <laughs> yeah. I, but and also it can be scarier as well. Um, I mean, of course. And I think I am someone that would, would had always recognised that it's important to be present. We hear, I think, we hear that quite a lot. You know, be present, live in the moment, be mindful. You know, all these things we hear quite regularly. But actually, to get to that state where you can be like that can be really hard and can be really challenging. Um, and and it's not easy. And I'm definitely somebody that was not able to do that before. And for me 
uh, it required a lot of work on myself, therapy. Um, you know, I don't mind sharing that my my dad passed away suddenly when I was uh, thirteen. Oh, wow. oh, I'm so sorry and, to hear. Wow. Thank you. And uh, must have been, yeah, yeah, and it, and it was really hard. But I didn't I didn't quite realize in later life that I had adapted a bit of an attitude and a way of being that was kind of like something could go wrong at, at any minute because I'd experienced that when I was younger. So right. I kind of really felt this need to be in control and to try and plan things and to not really be spontaneous. Um, so, but because of that trauma, I couldn't just like switch out and be present and live in the moment. Um, it took work for me to, to get to that and to understand that. Um, so yeah, I think my point here is that it's it's not easy and I don't want anyone to feel guilty for not living in the present moment because it can actually be really hard and we develop these ways of surviving that, you know, are just we're all just trying to live and get by and sometimes by planning and trying to control as much as we can is just a way to try and feel comfortable and look after ourselves. Um, but yeah, as much as you can, I think if you can try and focus on enjoying right now and making sure that you're doing what you can right now, then I for me personally there's that's where life is i feel like that's that's really where life is yeah absolutely well no you're 100 percent right in that it can be scary um yeah it's it's uh, it, it does <clears throat> i don't want to say courage but it, it takes a form of i suppose as well acceptance of just you know whatever will be will be kind of thing and <laughs> yeah and, and having faith that ultimately things will work out in some way shape or form yeah i suppose Definitely, definitely. And yeah, I um, it, it reminds me of the, when I started to post on LinkedIn, I had some posts go viral. I really panicked because wow. I felt out of control. And oh. I you hadn't like, planned for that. <laughs> I hadn't planned for it. You know, it was all and good me saying, right, I'm going to be open, I'm going to be vulnerable, I'm going to try and create change, I'm going to open up my story. But then when you're starting to get comments from people that you don't know and people reshare things, I've had some negative comments. Um, and yeah, when the views start to rack up and you're like, I'm not in control of this anymore. Even if I deleted this post now, people have still interacted it. People have still seen my face, seen my story. And I think that taught me a lot about letting go of control wow. and being like, I can't control this now. Yes, I'm feeling very anxious and quite scared, but... I can I can lean in I can sit with this I remember having a conversation with my mum and she was like look you've done a great thing people are gonna it is social media so people are gonna say negative things but ultimately you know remember why you did it and that kind of pep talk quite helped me but well, yeah shout, shout out to your amazing mother for being there <laughs> <supportive>. <laughs> but um yeah my point being is I think in practice when you do take steps that ultimately can feel out of control it it is going to feel uncomfortable. It's going to mm. feel scary. You are going to lose sleep, uh, which is what I did. But I kind of sat with it, and it got a lot easier. I'm so now much more comfortable. But you kind of have to go through that that scary experience and yeah. to kind of feel more comfortable with not being in control as much. Yeah, that that's such an interesting one. I think yeah, the the not being in control uh, part. I was recently listening to um, uh, there was a book called uh, The Obstacles of the Way by Ryan Holiday. I don't know if you've heard of it. No, I haven't. Um, it's kind of about stoicism or stoic philosophy and and sort of like, you know, the um, it, it just trying to apply some of those stoic lessons into day-to-day life and, and sort of in a, in a bit more of a practical way or an applicable way in modern life. Um, I, I really like it. I think, so I think it's a great book just in that it's very, it tells a lot of stories and it's, it's quite cool. Um, but one one thing that they talk about there is you know the whole control piece, and it's about how a major part of of Stoic philosophy is about figuring out or, or really accepting and understanding you know what it is that you can control and what is it, what it is that you can't control, and and just learning to you know accept when you can't control things and just kind of let them be, mm-hmm. and and how yeah. that can be quite a tough thing to do <laughs> at times. Yeah, definitely. I mean, even as we speak now. You know, I'm saying some things and I'm thinking, oh, gosh, I'm being recorded. And did I did I say that in the right way? Did I? Is that going <laughs> to how's that going to come across? Like I there's an element of not being in control here. Um, and you kind of have. Yeah, I think you continually have to do the work around that, uh, yeah. particularly if you're someone that's used to wanting to be in control. But for me, it's about what do you want? What do you want in life? Like I want to I want to try and create change. I want to be open about mental health. Yeah. I want to talk about these things. And this is part and parcel of it. 
You want to um, be authentic, right? More than anything, to be honest. That's what I've that's probably the most important thing to me, yeah, is to is to be authentic and to just be myself because from experience it's absolutely exhausting to try and be something that you're not and trying to hide parts of yourself. It's it's so much more enjoyable and easier and just less tiring to yeah. to to just be just be yourself um, <laughs> be authentic that's 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 what i'm trying to do wow well i think um authenticity is a really good place to to perhaps i, I don't want to end this i want i really want to carry on keep going, <laughs> but i know that we both have uh, other meetings and calls and so on so hopefully we'll have you back in at some point and we can continue the conversation around this um, in the meantime, if people want to get in touch with you, follow your work, learn more mm. about what you're doing and so on, it, it could be as simple as, you know, LinkedIn page or a website. Where, where is the best place? I'd say LinkedIn. Yeah. 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 I've, men- I've mentioned it a few times on this. <laughs> awesome. I mean, we'll, we'll link to it in the description anyway, so that people can find it easily. Absolutely. Yeah. No, the reason I think the reason for me is it's, it's become such a powerful platform because of like we touched about. I think out of all the places, the workplace could be the most tricky place to be open and to talk about mental health. And so for me, I've become so passionate about using it as a platform for change and for being open and for being vulnerable. So, um, yeah, it's kind of where I try and um, produce kind of content and try and do my bit to, to, to help kind of create that change. So, um, That's awesome. yeah, I can be found on, on LinkedIn and, yeah. If you link to it, then that'll be nice and easy for people. Absolutely. It's Jack Jack Dodd. So that's D-O-D-D on LinkedIn, but we'll also link to it in the description so you can you can find uh, Jack there easily. Jack, thank you so much for coming today. The conversation was really, really cool. And I just, yeah, I, I love the flow of it and everything. <laughs> love the work that you're doing. Um, really looking forward to seeing more and more of it. And I mean, you're only two weeks into Pink News. <laughs> so best of luck with that. And hopefully as time goes by and um as things progress then we probably will have another conversation at some point in the future brilliant well, i look forward to that thank you so much for today thank you so much jack have a great day you have been listening to career insights a podcast by q finds q finds is a hiring platform that matches candidates with jobs and employers based on many factors that ensure longer term alignment it goes way beyond package and salaries and take into account much much more than that to ensure a happy Uh, working environment for everybody to find out more about this podcast and to see further releases we'll be announcing them at the at qfinance.io instagram page as well as on the qfinance.io website as well as from my own personal uh, instagram page and my own personal linkedin all information you need that we spoke about in the podcast or this information mentioned here will be mentioned below in the description so take a look visit those links and if you like anything or want to get in touch uh, please do and lastly stay tuned for more have an amazing week ahead of you